Is it possible that the 2024 Colorado legislative session could be even more destructive than last year's session? Reporter for CompleteColorado.com, Sherry Pipe says, plan on it. I'm John Caldera, and this is the audio version of our television show, Devil's Advocate. You can watch that program by going to our YouTube channel, IITV, that stands for Independence Institute TV. Please subscribe and share this podcast. Enjoy. Sherry Pipe is the investigative reporter for CompleteColorado.com. I wanted to get a prediction on how crazy it's going to be next year in this state legislature. So, Sherry, how nuts is it going to be? I think it's probably going to be one of the worst sessions that we have seen on record. Why don't we just stop it right there and end the show? (laughs) Because I can't imagine it being any worse than what it was last year. Well, if you consider that over the last few months, Every couple of weeks, one more Democrat resigns, and they appoint a new Democrat to take over that position. So it's no longer an elected position. It's now an appointed position by those that are in control, and those that are in control of the Democrat Party right now are pretty far to the left. So let me see if I got this right. I've heard something like a quarter of all the legislators started off being appointed. Does that sound about right? Sounds about right. That's insane. Well, I mean, it's a good way to get there because yeah. if you're appointed, you have the power of the incumbency when you run for your real mm-hmm. election the first mm-hmm. time. So just how out of touch are these appointees? When Tim Hernandez is the appointee, it's like the gift that keeps giving. The guy who would not condemn Hamas until, until everyone put him into a chokehold. Is that, is that what we're going to get each and every time? I think that's exactly what we're going to get each and every time, and it's very for very specific reasons. If you look at the way the legislature is set up right now, last year the governor actually vetoed several bills that the Democrats put forth and that the Democrats really wanted, but the governor vetoed them. They don't necess- even though they have a supermajority, they don't necessarily have that supermajority because many of the Democrats in both chambers were flipping and voting with Republicans on issues because a bulk of their party has gone even too far left for them. Name some names here because I Oh, now you're putting me on the spot. Because <clears throat> I agree that the governor hasn't been able to stand up to the nutty wing. He's mm-hmm. vetoed a couple small bills. But, you know, he's never been able to stand up and go, no, this is crazy. We're not doing it. And I got the feeling that the Speaker of the House is in the exact same position. Here she is, and she is cowering Mm -hmm. underneath the socialists there. When I say socialists, I usually mean that as an epithet. But really, Mm -hmm. it's they're members of the Democratic Socialists for America. We've got five or six true socialists. Yeah. Um, One that comes to mind off the top of my head is um, Senator Rachel Zenzinger. She voted, you know, opposite of her caucus on several bills last year. And I can't think of the guy, (laughs) you're putting me on the spot here to remember who all that was there. But there's one up in the mountains as well, Dylan, I can't, Yeah, 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 who also voted multiple times with the Republican caucus. And so to overturn, there are some things that I believe Democrats want to do in the next session that they know the governor will not agree with. And in order to overturn those vetoes that might come their way, they have to have a solid two-thirds majority to get that overturned. And they're appointing people like Tim Hernandez. And if you think about that, the other another person that was up for that appointment was Rochelle Galindo, who oh at Lord. one point, who at one point was so far 
to the left that she was as as far left as anybody in that in that legislature and now she's not even far enough to the left they put hernandez in there they have to have a solid two-thirds majority to go along to over, override the governor and vetoes that may come down the road. Because I think one thing you're going to see is the next step to uh, single-payer health care in Colorado. What? There's no doubt in my mind. Did several stories on it last year. In fact, we're currently in the middle of a lawsuit um, against the Department of Healthcare Policy and Financing that we're still waiting, awaiting um, a decision on the judge for on some open records requests. But little things... We being complete Colorado. We being complete Colorado. Um, there's little things along the way that they keep putting in place that make it that one next step closer, that one next step closer. And um, without giving away too much of the... Of the uh, secret or whatever that I'm that I've been looking into for months. The governor took a trip a while back, and he took a trip with um, some folks from a major healthcare provider in this state to another country to look at medicine. Um, Want to add some names to that? What country? What provider? Kaiser Permanente mm. and Switzerland. So he's going to Switzerland, thinking this might work here. Mm -hmm. I think we're going to see it. In the next session? No, not full blown, but I think you're going to see the next few steps, steps. A few more steps. Until, yeah, until the, um, uh, because the House, face it, the House is not going to flip. The House is going to stay Democrat controlled and it's likely to stay super majority. The Senate down over the next couple of years, two, three years, could change back to a Republican majority. So they're going to get this stuff pushed through as fast as they can. So that they can they can get it on their way before before possibly Republicans take control of the Senate again. Is there any sense at all that the legislature is out of step with their constituents? Do they ever look at this what they're passing and go, let's see, we pushed for Proposition H, they didn't want it. We'll just give it to them anyway. Uh, the the. People voted against a fracking ban, so we'll do something even worse with Senate Bill 188 mm -hmm. a few years back. And it just seems like they are tempting fate by constantly flying in the face of the express voter opinions after an election. Yeah, they voted these people in, but it's because of our primary system. The, the crazy people on the left seem to win the primaries, and in Boulder, Denver, a lot of the suburban areas, they're not going to vote for Republicans. But at some point, this bites back. Do they have any sense of how to, that they're out of step? Or is it just something like, no, we're just doing great policy? I think they honestly believe they're just doing great policy. I honestly think that they believe that we as voters don't know better, that we um, continue to do things that, we, that we've been lied to about in the, in the campaign season, and that we're believing those lies, and so they know better, so they go in and they redo. I mean, one only has to look at Weld County representation to even tie that back into that whole appointment rule. Kevin Priola, who serves as Senate District 13's representative because he was, by default, given John Cook's seat when the redistricting went in because he was in the middle of a term, John Cook was termed out, so he just inherited Weld County as part of his last two years in office. Mary Young, who represents... By the way, Priola, for people who don't know, switched parties. Yes. So he's now a Democrat. He's now a Democrat. The idea of Weld County being represented by a Democrat, that, that's not going to last. No. And 
House District 50. You've got Mary Young, who initially her first term in office was an appointment. It was when Rochelle Galindo was ran out of office. Democrats. I'm sorry, put, could you remind me, why was Rochelle Galindo run out of office? She faced a recall because she basically did exactly what we're talking about. She campaigned on, I won't take away oil and gas. I won't take away this. I won't do this. She got down to the state legislature. She did exactly opposite of everything that... Um, she promised her constituents she wouldn't do. And so there was a recall campaign launched against her. It was just about ready to turn in the signatures to get it on the ballot. And we got a tip at Complete Colorado that she had some legal issues with some of the underage uh, women on her team. And she was initially charged with um, various charges, including sexual assault, uh, deliver, uh, contributing to the delinquency of a minor, and because she felt like she would be railroaded through her recall campaign, she stepped down. Now, she was eventually found not guilty of the charges that eventually went to court. But for full disclosure, the sexual assault charges never made it into court. So we will never know where that would have ended up at. It sounds a lot like what's going on in the state legislature right now. Just She was just another one of them. Just another one. But it, it's, oh, I'm blanking out on, on her name. Uh, who ran for mayor? I'll oh, see my Alzheimer's is kicking in. Who's dealing with the same thing mm -hmm. right now? Oh, from... yes. Um, yeah, oh, look my, at us. We both have it. <laughs> we both have it. <laughs> yes, I know you're talking about. That'll but come yeah. to me in a second. Yeah. So, uh, again, a female legislator, legislator being accused of sexual harassment and mm -hmm. sexual assault from one of her employees or volunteers. Mm -hmm. I thought only nasty social conservatives did that kind of stuff. Middle-aged white men. Yeah. All right. So getting, getting back to it. Um, so Galindo was looked at for this. Do they understand that they're, that, that they're out of state, out of step? Priola is going to be done when he, when he has to come back. Um, but at some point, somebody's got to stand up to these folks mm -hmm. because reality will hit right. and our economy will stall. The uh, environmental regulations they're putting through, the energy costs, it's interesting, just the other day I looked at the Bureau of Labor Statistics inflation numbers, mm -hmm. and I looked at the Denver and Colorado's numbers, and we're still higher than the national average by a full point or two. But when it came to energy, while the costs of energy were down, that is coal, natural gas, the inputs were down, energy prices were up almost 12% yearly inflation in Colorado. Mm -hmm. It's making us one of the most expensive states to be a manufacturer, to do business in. We've got the uh, new Family Leave Act, which will start in the new year, and we're gonna see uh, minimum wages going up thanks to the new laws. Denver's minimum wage is gonna be $18.29. These things are just not sustainable financially. They're not, and even with a minimum wage at $18, if you look at your paycheck um, and you, especially if you live in the city and county of Denver, where there's yet another tax that comes out of your paycheck for something, for one of their initiatives, um, the, the payroll taxes and everything else that are coming out of people's check is not making it it's not making it possible to survive. You know, I, I just today I saw a great comment that somebody just posted. It wasn't even a meme. Somebody just posted on Facebook. You know, two years ago, we couldn't find toilet paper. Today, we can't afford it. <laughs> you know, and, and that's exactly, have you been to the grocery store lately? You can't, 
it, it can't sustain itself. We cannot continue to take away. Um, the one thing that the legislature has gotten really good at is figuring out a way around Tabor. Um, more often, I mean, not even just with fees anymore. Now they've recognized that the law says they can figure out how to refund this money. So there are more tax credits on the book now than ever before. And we're not talking just a tax credit. We're talking a refundable tax credit. So they're picking and choosing the winners and losers of who like gets what? the... Like, uh, t like um, they, they tried to run one, and I'm not sure if it actually, I don't think it actually, it ended up getting killed. But the one that comes to my mind immediately was a driver's education bill that was going to require anybody who was young, 16, 17, 18, there were different levels, right. different, um, to take a very specific driver's education course. And that was going to be required so that people who paid for that course could come back to the state at the end of the year and claim credit for that and get up to $400 in a refundable tax credit. They've done it with teacher What's bills. So amazing. They've done it. And I, let me get back to the, the same old, same old complaint. Sooner or later, the people of Colorado need to start judging the governor by his actions and not his words. Because over and over, including when he ran the first time, he said, I want to lower income taxes, which we have via Independence Institute and the people of, of Colorado. And I want to uh, do that by getting rid of these special interest tax breaks that we have in Colorado. So, okay, I like the sound of that. And instead, he never tried to lower taxes through the legislature. And the legislature continues to increase special interest tax breaks. Now, when the Republicans were there, they gave the tax breaks to, to corporate cronies, and now the tax breaks seem to be going to progressive cronies and corporate energy companies. Correct. That's same song, different key. Mm -hmm. And nobody wants to call him on this. It's amazing to me um, how much... The society has just gone to a go along to get along kind of attitude. I don't know when people go, enough is enough. I'm done. You know, we can sit here and talk all about the Colorado Supreme Court and what they've done to, to Donald Trump and how outraged every, everybody is about that. But will that translate at the ballot box next year? I don't know. But because not, people don't, no, people no, no, don't no, get no. In, involved. You're wrong because not everyone is outraged. Those people who want him disqualified just because they want him disqualified, they're not outraged. And they don't see, because they see the ends, they don't care about the means. I think a thinking person, whether you hate Donald Trump or, or, or like him, goes, this is not how you save democracy by taking away democracy. Right. That doesn't make right. sense. And a Supreme Court that can pull this will pull it on other mm -hmm. candidates at some point as well. This is a slap in the face to democracy. Right. And oh, by the way, Donald Trump is never going to win the state of Colorado. Right. So you didn't need to worry about that. Right. You know, this was a temper tantrum from the courts. Right. And is that really what we want out of our courts? No, and, you, and you're right. And I guess the outrage that I'm talking about is that section of the unaffiliated that left the Republican Party for one reason or another now has them 
outraged again that they're not they're not going to get they're they're not going to get involved in it. But no, that's not what we want from our courts. We are now, you know, for how long have we heard everybody talk about how the United States Supreme Court is legislating from the bench because it's been stacked in the Republicans' favor? What do you think is happening at the Colorado Supreme Court? It's the same thing. They're uh, legislating from the bench because it's been stacked by all of the Democrat governors for the last 25 years. A Trump-hating buddy of mine was incensed. He's just said, the Colorado Supreme Court took away my right to vote against Donald Trump. It says it all. All mm -hmm. right, let's get back to the legislature. Let's talk some, some nuts and bolts. What's going to happen? What legislation will we see bubbling up? And uh, well, we'll start off, of course, with, with property taxes. Are they going, the Blue Ribbon Commission or whatever commission he's calling it, uh, we'll come up with um, something. What's going to happen? Nothing. I mean, I, <laughs> I don't believe anything will happen. You, you've seen it with what happened in Douglas County. The governor calls on local control to take care of the property taxes. So the Douglas County commissioners come out. They take care of local property taxes. And then it gets overturned by an agency that is appointed by our governor. Nothing is going to happen. Explain that one in case people missed <clears throat> what you just said. Right. Again, the governor says one thing and does the other. Right. The 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 col the Dunco commissioners say we're going to uh, lower the assessed value of your homes, mm -hmm. and the board that the governor appoints, three out of the five of them, said no, no, we're not going to we're that. not going to okay that. And then the governor has the gall to say, well, that was the wrong decision. Right. These are your people, governor. Right. These are your people. Right. Yeah. You know, uh, and so you say you want local tax relief. And then your people stop it. When will people have enough? It's, he he opens up the cage for the wild wolves and says, it's our first time since 1940 we've had wild wolves. Yet just last year he's saying, well, of course, there are already wild wolves in Colorado. How many times does he get whiplash doing this? He's no, that, and that's how he that's how he continues to get elected, and that's how smart he is, and that's how good he is, because he keeps himself arm's length removed from the the we're mad at you problem. He the did Pontius it, Pilate effect. Yes, he did it with the masks and the vaccines. He claimed to leave this all on the local governments, you know, while at the same time putting in place health boards and everything else that that wouldn't allow it, you know? He he's his people. He, yeah. He's it's done, his people. Exactly. And it's not he, me, it's my people. But it's not me. Exactly. Don't blame me, the governor. I didn't do anything. The people I appointed are are Right. They're tyrants, the ones that did it. But yeah. it's got nothing to do with me. Yeah. He can say all he wants that it was the wrong decision or it was whatever. But he named those wolves. He gave those wolves names. Now, call me skeptical, but I like Dick Wadham's idea that we need to have a naming contest. Some kids did the naming contest for the for the wolves. We need to have naming contests for the livestock and working animals like dogs, that sheep dogs and uh, cattle dogs that, that will be killed from this. We need names for them too. Right. No, I agree. Well, and you, the first place that you dump these wolves is Grand County, where they voted overwhelmingly, like 80%, not to do it. So the first place you drop them off is right where nobody wants them. Why not the hills of Boulder? And you don't tell anybody where it is. I only found out recently. Right. He didn't, that there were only 45 people who knew, sworn to secrecy, and maybe this bothers me, I hope it bothers you, 
the cameras used were all from Colorado Parks and Wildlife. And then they gave the footage to the media. Isn't that what the Soviet Russia did? <laughs> that, that the government created the news and then right. handed it over to the, the, the papers to run? Which, going back to one of your questions, legislation that we can expect to see? Yeah. Tightening down on open records and a tightening down on the ability for media or anybody else to gain access to things. Um, do you hear of a bill to do that? Because that is a tough bill for a legislator to vote on. To oh, say, absolutely. We're going, we're going to make it even more opaque here. As oh, you know, Colorado, uh, Complete Colorado is in the midst of some lawsuits right? trying to open up some of these right. records. And it gets really hard. It gets really expensive. And there was a bill that ran last year that tried to change the cost of open records and tried to change the timeline on getting open records. And they did it on this level of who are you? So if you are just a if you are just a regular Joe who just wants to know how your government's operating, you're going to pay more than the Denver Post is going to pay. You're going to it's going to take longer for you to get those records than it's going to take for the Denver Post to get those records. Um, we fought that very hard. We succeeded. That bill died um, because Complete Colorado would have been considered to be an average Joe because they would have then had to define what legitimate news outlets were. And we all know who gets to make that decision and where we would have landed on that. Stop there for a second because that's just so delicious. <laughs> so the legislation said we, the government, will figure out who the real press is, they'll get an easier time getting information. You, you little journalists, you, you civilians out there, you, you mom and pops, screw you. Yeah. Uh, we're going to make it so you don't have, you can't afford it. That we're going to keep government secret from the people who might be most critical of it speaks volumes. Right. And I know that Donald Trump is the guy who's bullying the press and bullying the press. But this was a specific law made to keep people mm -hmm. who might be critical of the government from knowing what's going on right. inside government. If there was a time, you're too young to remember, but there was a time when leftists were the ones who wanted open government. They wanted civil liberties. The means were more important than the ends. And they, the old ACLU would have screamed about this. The old... Uh, uh, citizens for the American way would have would have never put up with that. Mm -hmm. Where are where are they? That's a really good question because I can tell you when that bill was going through the legislature last year, um, I still have a lot of friends in mainstream media, and I had a lot of conversations with those friends in mainstream media who were supportive of that bill because what it did is it took the cost away from the media. The media wouldn't have had to pay or had extreme. The, the media, right. who tends to be very friendly to the legislature, right. it would make their lives easier and save them money. Right. And cost other reporters a lot more. Right. And I don't know if it was, I can't remember if it was free or an extremely reduced amount, but that's, and they kept telling me, but Sherry, we've been trying for years to get the cost of open records down. Right. Have you been trying for years to keep Sherry out of them? Because you're walking a fine line because that's what you're doing. You support this bill and you're going to keep me from them. You're, you're going you're gonna to dampen my ability to do anything. And e eventually the, um, freedom of, uh, the Colorado Freedom of Information Coalition came out against it as well. And, and fortunately, that bill got killed. But that bill is coming back in a different form 
under the guise of making it nicer and easier for school districts because <laughs> school districts don't have the capability of filling all of the CORA requests that are coming across their desks. So you will see a bill, it's already been endorsed and put out there by the Colorado Association of School Boards. Several districts across the state have already endorsed it and it will make it harder for people and more expensive for people and longer time span to get records out of your local school district. Because they don't like parents knowing what their exactly. kids are being taught until well after the lesson is, is, exactly. is said. Incredible. What else do you see coming up next year? Um, I think we'll see a repeat of the bill that the governor vetoed that came out of Loveland area on urban renewal plans. Um, it sounds like, so Janice Marchman um, tried to, or did get a bill passed. Um, uh, Senator Janice Marchman, she's out of Larimer County. She's a Democrat. She did get a bill passed this year that would have changed the way tax increment financing and urban renewals are used. She got it passed and the governor vetoed it. And the governor- What did the change do? Because there is all sorts of hanky-panky that happens with right. tax increment financing. Right. It's, it's a developer's dream. So there was a bill over a decade ago that was passed that does not allow farmland into an urban renewal project unless it meets a very defined set of circumstances. Recently, a developer up in Northern Colorado in Loveland put forth a new URA that included farmland and he found a loophole around the law and was able to get the URA passed. That upset- URA again stands for Urban, Urban Renewal, Renewal Authority. Authority. Yep, um, using tax increment financing, which is a special, a special finance mechanism that takes money away from the local governments and puts it into the project to share the cost of infrastructure. It's a tax break for developers. It is. Let's it's a tax. It, it is. It's a it's tax a huge break. bit of mm -hmm. tax incentive to build here, exactly. not there. So the folks up in Loveland um, got upset over the project and they started looking for ways to get out of it. So Janice Marchman ran a bill that would close the loophole that the the Sentara project found, and it passed. It went through both houses. It passed extremely on partisan lines. In the beginning, there were re there almost every Republican was on that bill. In the very beginning, really, the Republicans were willing to get behind Janice Marchman and help her with that. What ended up happening was at the end of the day, um, all the developers called and said, you remember how much money I gave you in that, that kind of campaign <laughs> contribution? Well, there was an amendment that was ran on the bill that targeted one individual developer out of Loveland um, that really made the bill kind of slimy. Yeah. And, and it shouldn't have happened. And without that amendment, the Republicans would have supported it. But the amendment specifically targeted the McWinney Corporation. And um, so all the Republicans got off the bill, but it didn't matter because it passed on party lines. And it got to the governor's desk and he vetoed it. Um, don't know why, but the governor vetoed it. So that bill is expected to come back. I hear through the pipeline that he has promised to allow that bill to go through so long as it's done appropriately and not the way it was done. So we'll see that bill come back. Nee, 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 nee. All right. Yeah, yeah. The governor's signature bill that didn't happen last year was this bill to to redo housing, that he was gonna he was gonna take away local authority, which mm -hmm. which is so funny since he loves local authority mm -hmm. when it covers his own 
his own cheeks, but he was going to take away local authority. It didn't pass. Is it coming back? It'll be back. I understand that there is actually an on steroids bill coming back that will basically strip county commissioners of all of their, ten, I think it's called 1041 powers, their land use, their land use powers um, will pretty much take away a large portion of county commissioners' land use authority. Other people get how dangerous that is. The beauty of Colorado government mm -hmm. is that the power resides in local areas where you can mm -hmm. get to your representatives. You can knock on the door your county commissioner or your city council member. Now it's going to be kind of like Washington, D.C., where some far-off place, Denver, is going to make all the decisions for everybody with a blanket policy that doesn't mm -hmm. always fit your local, your local situation. No, because what it's going to end up doing is it's going to dictate to counties like Weld County and Morgan County and Logan County, Washington County, all of these big agricultural counties on the eastern slope and up in the western slope, it's going to dictate to them how they can farm that land, how they can, you know, when they can put wells on that land, when they can put buildings on that land, what kind of, you know, there's a, there's a bill or there's a uh, initiative that's going to come before Denver voters to get rid of slaughterhouses within the city and county limits of Denver. It will, it, it could lead to that as well, telling you what kind of businesses you can operate, taking away that land use. The people in Boulder, no offense, the people <laughs> in Boulder have no clue what the people in Weld County or Logan County or Washington County or Morgan County or Mesa County want or need out of their land use. That is, that's what oh. local control is all about. Oh, little Miss Sife. Yes, we do. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we do. Yeah, yeah. We understand, we understand <laughs> how, how farming and agriculture works. It's, right. it's in our Boulder blood, right. don't you know? Well, and here's, here's a good example. Um, about a year or so ago, the city of Greeley bought an underground aquifer uh, from some folks up in Wyoming right on the Wyoming-Colorado border. They bought this aquifer to help them prepare for the future and water use and stuff because Greeley is one of the largest growing cities in the state right now. In the country. Yeah, they expect it to double in population and surpass Fort Collins, Loveland, and everybody. We're already larger than Boulder, and Loveland and Fort Collins are, are we're larger than Loveland too, but larger than Fort Collins within the next 10 to 15 years. So they bought this aquifer. It was very controversial, but it ended up going through. They've got it. They now have uh, storage for, I can't even tell you how many millions of acre feet of water um, for down the future. But these land use proposals that would go through the legislature could have forced Greeley to ask the folks in Denver whether or not they could buy that aquifer. Please, can we drink water? <laughs> All right, final question. There's usually some big surprise. There's always something that happens in every legislative session that most people didn't see coming. A uh, few people do. Do you see something like that? I think it goes back to healthcare. I'm really watching the healthcare side of this. This is something that they really want. I mean, there is going to be, I think there are going to be massive changes to the way healthcare in Colorado works. And if it's not universal healthcare or single payer healthcare, It'll be what do you have to pay for again? You know, I, I more can more price control, more price control, more coverage control, taking away the market forces so mm -hmm. that uh, it's just a little easier to just close the whole thing down. Yeah, I, I I can I can see and I've heard scuttlebutt and I've heard you know some rumor around forcing um, you know gender change type surgeries, allowing those to be um, considered um, covered. Uh, 
covered, but what's the word I'm looking for? Non um, cosmetic, not like not something that you want, but something that you, that you need. need. Um, I can I can see those happening, and I'm hearing rumors that 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 that's coming. Goes back to who they're putting in place in office. I mean, they're putting some heavy, heavy socialist communist. Did you say communist? Uh, uh, be careful, young lady. I know. Um, in place to make sure that they can override a, a veto. We have an authoritarian legislature, an authoritarian governor who likes to say he's not, and it's going to get worse. Mm -hmm. And elections have consequences. All right. You can read it all, of course, at completecolorado.com. Completecolorado.com. Look for Sherry's work. Thank you so much. Thank you. If you've enjoyed this episode of Devil's Advocate, I hope you'll share it with a friend. And I hope you'll subscribe and follow the show. We have new ones released weekly. Remember, this audio was taken from our TV show. To watch it, just search the letters IITV for Independence Institute TV on YouTube for this and many other great conversations.